How many have been to a vineyard? Pretty, right? Rose. What look like candelabras, right? This vine comes up out of the ground and then it sort of sprouts up like that and it's all sort of twisted around and looks really cool, especially, you know, sort of maybe in the fall. Everything looks pretty neat and tidy. Yeah, beautiful. I love this passage from the prophet Isaiah. And remember, prophets, they have a message. And generally, that message is not well received by the community to which they are bringing it. And so Isaiah begins this one. And it's, and if you, you know, again, if you didn't know what was sort of going on here, what, who Isaiah represents, you would be like, ah, this is, an, this is really interesting. I will sing for the one I love, a song about the vineyard, his vineyard. So, you know, I hadn't really thought about this much through the week, but Isaiah says, this is, this is God whom I love. And I'm singing about, we find out later, about God tending to the people My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and he cleared the stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes. So it's this beautiful story of of God doing God's work. Of God preparing the people preparing the way, resourcing and giving exactly what the community needed to flourish and to produce good fruit, which we believe would have been works of righteousness, mercy and justice, forgiveness and salvation for all people. That's, that, those would be the big themes coming through the scripture, even in the Old Testament. But what does God get? And not just bad. This is, the NRSV here soft pedals it a little bit. Worthless, rotten fruit. Not just bad, not just like, oh, you you took that candy bar from that other kid, go apologize. No, you, you took the candy bar from the kid, you whacked him across the face, you kicked him in the butt, and you kept doing it for five minutes. Not only did you take advantage of this person who needed money, you charged them 100% interest for the next three years. Kind of bad grace. I don't know what that would have translated to in Old Testament times, but those kinds of things. The people had been given everything and they acted in their own behalf with impunity. This is what Isaiah is saying. I mean, it is, it, is not, it is not a word of great hope. I mean, throughout this whole passage, right, it, it gets worse. I have a friend, a dear friend, who her dream for some time when she retired was to buy a vineyard and to become a gentlewoman farmer. Well, let me tell you, I pinged her this week and I said, so how's it going? Surprising things about owning a vineyard. 
how difficult it is to prepare the land, how expensive everything is, how labor-intensive it is. I love this one. How tedious some labor is. She said, you know, one thing that you, that you have to do, but you have to do it 2,038 times, it takes on a completely different meaning. Things that I liked now seem like enemies. Parenthesis, dear. And here's a biblical one almost. I don't know if she would have thought about that first and foremost. It's hard to find laborers to work in the vineyard. Tractors are expensive. Yes, yes, they are. How much can change in a week? Some of these making you think about God tending God's vineyard, but this one especially. This is a direct quote. I love every vine like a child, and like children, each one of them grows differently. I said, you just wrote my sermon for me. So in thinking about that and about God's care, and then, because of course my friend is hopeful that eventually the vineyard will produce grapes and she'll be able to produce wine, because that's what she wants to do. So now you dwellers in Jerusalem, people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? Basically, what else could I have given it? What else could I have provided for it? What, what protection could I have put in place? What resources could I have given? What direction could I have done? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only worthless grapes? And you hear this, like this, now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. You hear that, that anger, right? Like, I cultivated these tomatoes, and I came out here, and the squirrels ate two bites of one and throw them on the ground. You know what I'm going to do to the squirrels? I knew that to get somebody going in here. Now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take away the hedge. I'm going to take away my protection. It's going to be destroyed. I'm going to break down its wall and it's going to be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. So up to this point, if you didn't know what we know, you wouldn't have known who Isaiah is talking about and what Isaiah is talking about. You might say, oh, well, yes, you've done all this work. Why wouldn't you just let it go to a wasteland? Because what does a farmer want in doing all of that work. It wants to see the fruit of the labor. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. This word that comes from Isaiah is a very condemnatory word for the people of Israel. And as we, as we look at it now, looking back, we know that the church, the Christian church, took on this image of being God's vineyard. We are those, as Katie was 
sharing with us, we are those that God cultivates and draws together and cares for us and provides for us in order that we might produce fruit. God loves us in, in this way. And also, we believe that the church, this vineyard, is, is in some ways God's hope for the world. That God's word would come through the vineyard of the church for justice and for mercy and righteousness and salvation. That the people who are being cultivated by God would not be those who take advantage of others. Would not be those who only look out for their own interests. Would be those who have a heart for their community, for those around them, for those who are hurting, for those who have great need. We take on this image. And so when we hear this word, it can be like, well, what kind of God do we serve? Because as we say, like as a, as a farmer with this land or whatever, we might be like, you know what, that ground is not producing, so I'm, I'm going to let it be fallow. I'm, I gotta, I'm just going to destroy it. I'm going to till everything under. I'm going to be done with it. The good news is that in Jesus, God doesn't destroy the hedge. God doesn't say don't rain on, on this vineyard. God doesn't let it go to desolation. In Jesus Christ, we come to understand that our God is a God of second chances and second chances and second chances and to the 10th chance and more. That God is forever at work through Jesus cultivating and drawing us close to God to set us free from the, from our sin, those things that make us worthless grapes, not producing any fruits of righteousness. That in Jesus, God calls us again and again and again to hear this word from Isaiah that condemns us and stops us in our tracks to say, what am I doing that shows forth the love and the mercy and the hope of God that I hear all the time through my study or through my worship, through the beauty of the earth, through the community that I've cultivated? It stops us in our tracks and it wakes us up and then we have a chance to be reminded that God has not given up on us. That every day, in every place, we have a chance to begin again to be those who show forth the good fruit of the kingdom of God, righteousness and mercy and love and hope and salvation. Because you see, unlike vines in a vineyard, we get to move around. We get to take the fruits with us, whether we're at work or at play, whether we're with our family or with strangers. We are called to be the vineyard of God. We are called to be the church wherever it is we are. It is not just within a building that we call the church. Wherever we are, we are God's people. God is nurturing us and giving us resources wherever we are to show forth and to produce that good fruit of mercy and justice and righteousness. And God calls us also to move ourselves into positions where we can have an effect on institutions, 
on organizations that are doing things that are not helpful to other people. That is what we're called to do. That is the church of God. And so as, as we hear this, I can only imagine that when the, when, when the people of Israel and Judah heard this word from Isaiah, I bet they were disheartened. And I know for us, there are many times in our lives, not just our faith lives, when we are disheartened. We haven't, we haven't heard from God, or maybe we hear something like this, or, we, or just things are not going the way that we hoped they would go. You know, the blueprint for our lives isn't the as-built part of our lives, and we're despairing. I want to remind you, in every situation, God is at work. Even though you can't see it, or maybe even taste it, or sense it. And we, in every place and every time, are called to be the church, showing forth the fruits of righteousness, of hope, of love, of inclusion and salvation. And so today, I hope you hear this word. I hope it challenges you. But I hope that you also remember that you are given a new chance each and every day to produce the fruits of righteousness, to live into our identity as children of God because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen.